In 2018, Rockstar Games released a video game which would end up changing the landscape for open-world RPGs forever. I am, of course, talking about Red Dead Redemption 2. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. And today is going to be a gaming episode, of course, on Red Dead Redemption 2, which was released for the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One in October of 2018 for Windows and Stadia in November 2019. It broke several records and had the second biggest launch in the history of entertainment, generating $725 million in sales from its opening weekend alone and exceeding the lifetime sales of its predecessor, Red Dead Redemption, in only two weeks. The game also received critical acclaim with praise directed at its story, characters, open world, graphics, music, and level of detail. Some criticism was directed at its control scheme and emphasis on realism over player freedom. I would say maybe the slowness of Arthur Morgan, especially when he's walking around. But that's something that you adjust to and learn how to use in combat, especially. I ended up just sprinting around when I had to. So I can understand why some people found it frustrating how Arthur can be quite slow when he's walking around. It also won year-end accolades, including... Game of the Year awards from several gaming publications. However, it did lose the coveted Game of the Year award to God of War that year. It is also considered an example of video games as an art form, as well as one of the greatest video games ever made. It is also among the best-selling video games in history, with over 50 million copies shipped worldwide today. Obviously, Red Dead Redemption was a standout success, not only just for Rockstar Games, which is also famous for its Grand Theft Auto series, but just for RPGs and open worlds in general. I had not played video games very much over the past several years. I started out with Hogwarts Legacy in December and had an absolute blast for that, and that ended up becoming a really good appetizer, basically, for Red Dead Redemption 2, which I found immediately to be extremely detailed, extremely dense, complicated, complex, and extremely immersive. I found myself transported into another world, Everything from the game design to the actual gameplay, combat, uh, the little things like brewing your own cups of coffee, your hair growing longer day by day, having to feed yourself and your horse, all these little things, which I'll get into in more detail, really added to the immersive quality that I personally have never experienced in a video game before. And in a lot of ways, it mimicked real life. I did love the changing of uh, day to night. I love the changing weather, atmospheres. Uh, I just found the enti entire thing incredibly impressive, and it's no no surprise that this ended up becoming such a massive success. One of the most successful games, obviously, in history. The game actually shipped 23 million copies in the year 2018, generating $1.38 in revenue just for 2018, and then the sales reached 29 million copies sold by 2019, 36 million copies sold, and now we're at over 50 million by 2023. By dollar sales, it was the best-selling game of the latter half of the 2010s, and it's the seventh best-selling game of the decade so far. For reviews, Red Dead Redemption 2 got a 97 out of 100 on Metacritic, a 9.5 out of 10 on Destructoid, 10 out of 10 on Edge, 10 out of 10 on Electric Gaming Monthly, 10 out of 10 on Game Informer, 9 out of 10 on GameSpot, 5 stars on GamesRadar, 5 stars on Giant Bomb, 10 out of 10 on IGN, and 4.5 on US Gamer. Now, for development of this game, it actually began right after the release of Red Dead Redemption in 2010. Preliminary work for Red Dead Redemption 2 began shortly after its release. And Rockstar San Diego, the studio behind the game, had a rough outline of the game by mid-2011. And then by late 2012, rough scripts of the game had been completed and ready for development. When Rockstar Games realized a group of its distinct studios would not necessarily work for such a big workload... It co-opted all of its studios into one large team, dubbing it Rockstar Studios to facilitate development between 1,600 people. A total of 2,000 people worked on this game. Analyst estimations placed the game's combined development and marketing budget between $370 million and $540 million, which would make it one of the most expensive video games in development. They primarily drew influence from real locations as opposed to film or art like they did in the past, focusing on creating an accurate reflection of the time with the game's characters and world. 
Now, as a fan of Western films, I found myself in love with this game immediately. Uh, obviously, all the landscapes, environments, and cities are fictional, but they are very much based on real places. And everything from desert to Arctic landscapes to uh, uh, New Orleans-esque city like Saint-Denis really made me feel like I was traversing an entire country. Uh, obviously, like North America, but like a very condensed version of it. And I, obviously, it wouldn't really make sense for these cities and these landscapes to be so close to one another. But being a video game, it's, it works because you're confined to only so big of a map. And this being a very large map indeed. So I was absolutely impressed with what the game uh, developers created in terms of landscapes, in terms of environments, weather. It, it's hard to pick a favorite kind of landscape and environment because they are all so memorable. They all had their own little perks, idiosyncrasies, and highlights as well. Ansburg, Armadillo, Blackwater, Coulter, some of the main cities are a lot of fun. Lagris, Mount Hagen, Rhodes, Saint-Denis, Saint uh, Strawberry. I always had like um, a really big love and affinity for uh, the Arctic environment. Something about the snow, something about seeing uh, snow-capped trees and huge landscapes, wind, snow, uh, the wintry elements. I really love that aspect to the game, especially with the opening mission where you're basically, it's basically like a hour and a half long tutorial. I found that sequence to be really fun, engaging, and a terrific introduction to the game. It's coming off of Hogwarts Legacy uh, and also Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which were very impressive as well. I really like Red Dead Redemption. The lighting was absolutely phenomenal. Everything from glowing warm lanterns glistening in the in the pale moonlight while you're walking along the the the, the first mission seeing your footsteps and footprints in the snow follow behind you uh seeing how your horse tracks snow i i just found it to be an amazing introduction to the game really set the stage for what you're going into and also looking back it obviously was quite a simplistic mission but it got you basically up to speed with the main mechanics of what you'll be doing, uh, how to operate, how to use Arthur, how to move, how to gunfight, get a sense for the characters, for the gang, uh, for everyone you'll be communicating with for the next uh, several uh, chapters of the story. And then I would say Saint-Denis was my next favorite. The other towns are quite small, but Saint-Denis being the major like metropolitan area was just so immersive, uh, colorful, I love the music set for that area. I love the architecture. I've been to New Orleans. It's a crazy place, and they captured the feeling and aesthetic of that area. Also, the swampy bayou area right outside Saint Denis. I really enjoyed all the shops, all the different places you could take Arthur. You're kind of limited with the other areas, which are much smaller. But Saint Denis, there was so much to do, so much to see. Uh, I really. I loved being in that city, just wandering around, riding the horse around. I also made a mistake early in the game because I grew up playing Grand Theft Auto. And so I figured the bounty system without doing any research was kind of like uh, the star system in Grand Theft Auto. Where I could just like commit a bunch of crimes and then evade police or authorities. And then once I was gone, I would be pretty much safe. I didn't know of the bounty system here, so when I first started playing, after that first initial mission, I literally rode my horse to Saint-Denis, caused an absolute mess of mayhem, death and destruction. I was robbing people, I was killing people, I was riding my horse, trampling people, and uh, as authorities would show up, I would kill authorities, and then I, uh, I left Saint-Denis. And then it wasn't until after that I realized I had a bounty of $280 on me. And I was like, oh shit, I can't go back to Saint-Denis uh, without... Oh, I also did all this stuff without covering my face with a bandana or mask or anything. So uh, everybody knew I did it. Everybody saw me. And so I was the next time I went to Saint-Denis, I was recognized pretty quickly. And the authorities were after me. And then I was like, oh, so if I'm going to commit any crimes, if I'm going to murder anyone, if I'm going to rob anyone... It's probably best to wear a mask. And so, because I like to take the the uh, the path of the darker, more nefarious outlaw, I learned pretty quickly wearing a mask is very helpful. You could go pretty far out as just like a ruthless villain, but I think in terms of 
how the story played out didn't really affect it that much. Uh, and then I ended up doing, I mean, even though I was doing bad stuff, I was doing positive things here and there and kind of inevitable and impossible not to. So I would say ultimately, even though I set out wanting to be a bad person and like an evil outlaw, I ended up becoming more of like a gray area outlaw cowboy where it, I guess like an antihero. And I definitely became much more good at heart the more I played, whereas the first uh, several hours, probably the first 15 or so hours, I was just murking people left and right and stealing everything I could, having a good time doing that. But also, I found the combat to be very challenging. And early on, I was dying a lot, especially because I was getting myself into situations I couldn't handle and just like trying off, trying to kill guys or people riding around and underestimating how powerful their weapons were, how terrible I was at combat and gunfighting at that point in time. So it wasn't until I would say 12 or so hours in where I felt confident and was and had developed my skills fighting that I was like, okay, I could pretty much take on all comers, obviously dying here and there. But by hour 15, I was pretty solid and didn't have too much trouble with any of the main missions. I found actually myself dying more often out in the wild than I did in actual missions. I remember one time I was just like skinning a deer I had killed and then a fucking bobcat jumped out of nowhere and just killed me. People you would try to rob ended up being pretty powerful or just robberies gone bad. Out uh, Authorities ended up surprising me pretty quickly how effective they were at hunting you down and killing you and it was got to be at some points pretty hard to outrun them and they came in such constant waves that it was just like you couldn't survive continuing battling them. So I ended up just running away as much as I could. What I love most about the game has got to be nature. Uh, all of the environments they developed. And like I said, I love the, the snowy areas. I also loved how you had to put on warm clothes for Arctic environments and then uh, less clothing for warmer environments. I love that aspect to the game. And I just found myself enthralled by... The plant life, the vegetation, herbs, uh, different kinds of stone, different kinds of dirt, uh, the trees everywhere. And then you just get the atmosphere, the weather, the changing sun, uh, clouds. I found myself like riding at night, just like staring at the clouds. Like I was like, these look like real clouds. And I was just completely sold on the world that they had created. And I was just blown away. It was a staggering achievement and just such high quality of graphics and rendering that I just found myself awestruck. And every time I found a new environment or a new location, I was just blown away again. And I loved exploring. I really loved just wandering around, setting up camp, riding my horse. I would say I probably, I think I like riding my horse at night, especially in the desert because of the clouds, because of the moonlight. I just found it really fun. And I just, in a lot of ways, felt myself immersed, especially wearing headphones, like I was living out a Western fantasy. Uh, music also was really fantastic. I adored the score. It harkened back to a lot of Westerns that I really love, uh, using a lot of, I would say, the fiddle, electric guitar, and some simple brass horns were the main instruments used in this score. And my God, I was just like hooked, line and sinker. I loved the, the loading screens because I knew the music was going to be really fun. I loved the action music. Uh, it really felt propulsive, a lot of electric guitar, made me feel like I was in a famous chase scene in a movie, robbing a train, robbing a bank, really terrific. And then the more subtle, slower uh, sounds that they created, uh, the composers did a wonderful job. Um, in terms of a lead character, Arthur Morgan is one of the best characters I've ever played as in a video game. Uh, a morally gray person, obviously you can steer him in the direction of darkness or lightness, and like I said, I, I stayed pretty much in the middle of a good and bad person. I found Arthur to be a very commendable person, human being. He's a criminal, uh, but he does feel a little... He's beginning to feel badly about who he is as a human being and what he's been doing and questioning that. Also questioning his loyalty to Dutch, who, by the way, from the first fucking scene, I was like, I don't like... I have a bad feeling about Dutch. I was like... I feel like something's going on. This guy is going to betray Arthur or something from day from from fucking minute one. I was like, there's something off with this guy. 
And then I, I felt more confident in that guess as Arthur, throughout the course of the game, kept, kept expressing to others uh, his issues with Dutch, um, not really believing in what Dutch was doing or feeling that he could trust Dutch anymore or if he was really the kind of leader that they needed anymore. And so I, I always had an iffy feeling about Dutch, and then at the end of the of the game, when he becomes one of the per, one of the people responsible for Arthur's death, I was like, I fucking knew it! I knew it! Motherfucking, motherfucking Dutch, that guy. Uh, all the actors did a terrific job. The voice actors really blew me away. But I, I loved Arthur. I really loved playing as him. I, I often found him to be humorous and... I don't know, I feel like I identify with him in that a lot of the things he would say and how he would react to things, maybe I wish I, w I would be like, maybe that's how I would react to things. And I feel like I kind of like how he's uh, reacting to that or expressing himself here. So I found Arthur to be extremely relatable, entertaining, an absolute badass, a great antihero, uh, and someone to root for. And I honestly loved playing as him. And then, you know, Dutch obviously being the next main character, Abigail... Um, Hosiah, I mean, there's a lot of great characters, Molly O'Shea, everyone did a terrific job, but I will say there's one performance, not so much a performance, but there's one thing that I didn't love about the game, and it's with the Italian characters um, in, involving Angelo Bronte's uh, storyline, I found the Italian to be a little off, and then when the little boy that was kidnapped, I can't remember his name, um, he was telling the he was telling um, Arthur and his father. Oh, I, they taught me that. Uh, they, they taught me that cavallo means horse in Italian. Cavallo, and I was like, no, that's not right. Uh, in Italian, the double L is not pronounced like it is in Spanish. Where in Spanish, the double L you get the Y sound. Um, so llama, double L A M A, como te llama? Uh, in Italian, you pronounce the L's. Even if it's double L, you always pronounce the consonants. So cavallo is the way you pronounce horse in Italian. So when he when he said cavallo, I was like, oh, did they not research that? So that was actually my one my one problem with the game was the Italian. Otherwise, the game was perfect. But I just had to I just had to point that out. I was like, ah, it's not quite right. But it in terms of everything else, all of the acting performances were phenomenal. Everybody was just believable. Felt like real characters, real people in a story. Uh, I never got bored. I never got bored with cinematics. With Hogwarts Legacy and Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I was skipping through everything. Uh, but the cinematics in this game uh, were well shot, well choreographed. I would say they were imitating a 50mm lens most of the time. And then a lot of the landscape shots with uh, ultra-wide lenses looked fantastic. So I also loved, like, uh, they would do these cinematics whenever you did fast travel. Highlight montage of you traveling across the landscape. I like that. This game would have been tough without fast travel. There were points where I was like, oh my god, I have to ride my horse this far. That is part of the game, and I get that. And I really did enjoy that for the most part. But there were times where I just felt like, oh my god, I gotta, I gotta ride here, and then now oh, I gotta ride there. Uh, so before you develop fast travel... Obviously, it was a little grinding here and there, but once you got fast travel going, uh, traveling was a breeze, obviously. So I would just say, even though I didn't love it all the time, it immerses you into the game. It really does make you feel like you're in the West. Uh, it doesn't make things easy, and I think that's the point of the game. And the, the devs were like, we don't want to give you 100 fast travel points like an Assassin's Creed game where you, where you can't go 50 feet without seeing a fast travel point. We want to make you sit at a campfire and brew coffee. We want to make you actually cook your food. We want to make you feed your horse because it's hungry or needs to uh, get brushed down because it's getting too dirty. We want you to not just take, not just press a button and then appear somewhere. We want you to feel like you actually traveled there. We want you to feel like you actually rode your horse for a few hours or for an entire day. I thought that was really sensational. And kind of a very commendable thing to do as a video game developer uh, where we live in a world where people can be quite impatient and want things immediately. So I found that the patient approach to the game development was absolutely a strength of the game. And I honestly, for the most part, 99% of the time, I loved riding my horse. I found it enjoyable. I ended up getting this Black Arabian at the Sandini um, horse shop. It's not called a horse shop. What's it called? Uh, a stable fucking horse shop. I had gone through a few horses before. Just a, a few of like the Kentucky ones and the Tennessee ones. 
and they were they were all right and i would customize them here and there but i was never like really impressed with any of the horses and then when i unlocked saint denis stable and i had i had i was you get to a point in the game where you just have so much money to spend you just like throwing it away and then i i went to the saint denis stable to see what they had for horses and i saw this black arabian it was like a thousand bucks maybe more maybe 1100 bucks but I was like, fuck it. I got like six grand on me. And I bought it and then customized her. Uh, her I named her Nira, which is Italian for black. Uh, and it was a girl, so that used the feminine. So Nira was her name. And decked her out with all black everything. And then my outfit eventually became an all black, like outlaw, like a black leather jacket, black pants, black boots, black, sh- black vest, white shirt. Uh, the estate boss hat I loved is super wide. Felt like I was like an outlaw and a, and a gunslinger in a western film. So I went all blacked out, and I loved it. So I just my whole look, horse and in wardrobe, black on black on black on black, and it's just like I looked so badass riding around. I loved I loved Nira. I was like I never want to get another horse again. And I I was you actually learn what's what I love about the game is you have to be careful. Uh, can easy you, you can die pretty easily. You can get injured pretty easily. Same for your horse. And I learned that the hard way. I was like <laughs> early in the game. I was I was just riding away from camp, and I was just approaching uh, train tracks. And there was a train coming, and I wasn't gonna make it uh, across before the train went through. And so I was like trying to slow my horse down. I still hadn't learned how to like hard stop the horse. And I was like. No, no, stop, stop, stop. But my horse just kept like slowly walking towards the train. I was like, I was like pressing everything I could to stop it. And then I just couldn't stop it in time. And it just slowly walked into the the train that was whizzing by 50 miles per hour. And it, my horse just got launched to the ground, died immediately. I was like, oh my God, what? <laughs> what the fuck? And then I had to walk back to camp and get a horse there. But then I learned I learned my lesson. I was like, okay, make sure you don't run into any trains with your horse. Uh, also, uh, you don't want to trample anyone with your horse. So I actually found, especially in Saint Denis and a couple of the other towns, you have to be kind of careful when you're bobbing and weaving through people. You could be a disturber of the peace pretty quickly if you ride too fast or if you cut anyone off or nearly hit anybody. So I found it pretty quickly when you're riding your horse, it's best to be a little bit cautious especially around other people and especially around trains and but in terms of horse riding uh, I got pretty pretty good at it I think I I really enjoyed it I got my horse to be pretty fast and I loved one of my favorite aspects to to horse riding was uh, doing gunfighting while you're riding your horse and I remember my first few times doing it especially in the opening mission where uh, the wolves attack you on the snowy mountaintop it took me like five tries because I was struggling to aim my rifle while also steering the horse. And then I would like run into st- like like uh, st- stones or I would run off a cliff or I would run like straight into a mountain surface. And it took me, a, I'm sure everyone, but it took me a while to figure that out. The mechanics of both steering your horse while galloping and then aiming and taking down enemies moving the camera at the same time. So I, I I liked how it was not easy. None of the combat was easy, and all the mechanics were challenging, but then once you figured it out, you got pretty good at it. And But I liked how nothing came easy in this game. And I, I would say that horse riding is an absolute highlight. Also, I found combat to be just really fantastic, especially the gunfighting. Gun I did like melee combat. I liked using my knife. I liked using the tomahawk. Um, but... And the bow was fun too. But I mean, the gunfighting in this game was perfect. I can't think of anything that didn't work about it. It was difficult. It was realistic to, to real life. It was authentic. Um, sound design was absolutely phenomenal. I had a bunch of favorite guns. There were so many guns and I loved how... Well, actually not that many. It wasn't like, like compared to other games where you get like new weapon, new weapon, new weapon, new weapon, new weapon. And, I mean, what's the point of even upgrading anything if you're going to get a new one real right away? I stuck to a handful as my bread and butter. Um, I really like the carbine repeater. It's not the fastest, but it's extremely powerful. 
And I'm more of like a a bulldozer kind of fighter for all video games. I, I like to get up close. I like to get nitty gritty. I don't like to shoot from too far away. I'm not a big fan of long range combat. I find it just a little boring. Um, and I like to I like getting in the action. So the carbine repeater really worked for me because of its power and its great range. It was like obviously not the most accurate long range, but it had a great mid range. So close and mid range combat. The carbine repeater was just uh, ended up being my bread and butter. I would try out a lot of weapons. I would try out all the I tried out all the repeaters. I tried out all the rifles, and I just kept going back to the carbine repeater. And once I souped it up, I just loved fighting with that one. Uh, the pump action shotgun and the sawed off shotgun. I love the shotguns. Like I said, I like to get up there. I like to get up in your face and blow your face off. And uh, I enjoy like if you can get close enough with a shotgun, you can like blow someone's head off. That gets me like so riled up, and I love it. Um, I don't like hanging back, and so the shotgun. Gunfighting has always been one of my favorite ways to do any kind of first-person or, or third-person shooters. Um, so I would say the pump-action shotgun uh, because it had good mid-range accuracy and power. And obviously up close, it just destroyed people. And then the sawed-off shotgun, when you're in close combat, uh, fighting people in a house or in a shop or whatever... The sawed-off shotgun was an absolute monster, and I loved it. I loved it. And the pump-action shotgun, I would say both shotguns. I actually did, I had a lot of success with the shotguns while while riding horses and fighting people. Um, I found those to be just absolute beasts in every gunfight. I always would, like, make sure I had two of them in my saddle. Um, I would I would generally lead with the carbine and see what the fight was like. And then oftentimes I would go to go to a shotgun, even if it was like a little too long distance. I just loved it. I loved the shotguns. In terms of ro- in revolvers, we get a bunch of them. Obviously, I like the Schofield revolver the best. It had, I think, the best stats for balance. It was pretty strong, but also very fast reload, um, very accurate. And then when you upgraded it here and there. It got to be pretty devastating, and I like to use that with Midnight's Revolver, which is super fast. Not the most powerful, but when you upgrade it, it gets pretty strong. Uh, I just, But I just think that the sheer speed of that revolver, you can't beat that. It's very quick firing and very quick reloading. Because um, uh, I would say something like the Rolling Block Rifle, which I found to be my favorite sniper... Um, I know that there's another one. I can't like off the top of my head. I can't remember the name of it, but I like the rolling block because it was pretty pretty fast reload for the rifles, but it was so goddamn strong that thing would blow a hole in people. So I really like doing that for sniping. I didn't snipe too much. There's a couple of missions, obviously, where sniping is part of it and the objective. Um, but I found myself getting a little thrown off by the the sniper scope. I ended up reducing it to like the halfway snipe, sniper scope, and I found that to be more comfortable. I didn't need to be all the way, um, but still, the sniper rifle I would say, and any of the all the rifles, they were like my last go tos. Um, I tried them out. It's just not. It wasn't for my playing style. I think the rifles, as strong as they were, the slow reload kind of drove me a little crazy. Um, but to each his own. I know that the rifles are. Very popular for a lot of gamers, from what I could tell. Now, I liked using the bow. I thought the bow was very efficient. Uh, I loved hunting. And also, Flacco's revolver was a good, decent revolver I kept as a backup. And, and the, the uh, semi-auto shotgun was a great shotgun as well. Obviously, I keep being a big fan of the shotguns. Lancaster repeater, like the carbine repeater, wasn't the most powerful repeater, but it was solid all the way through. Fast enough reload to keep me happy. And then upgrading it, souping it up, made it a very devastating weapon. But I would say just my my favorites, Carbine Repeater and the two shotguns, Pump Action and the Sawed Off. I fucking adored those guns. And I, I, do, I did love doing the dual-wielding pistols because that made me really feel like outlaw But I found myself to not really be loving that. And I always, I just kept going back to the repeater or the shotguns. Um... And I would really, most of the time, use the revolvers if I ran out of ammo, which was obviously pretty rare because you can buy so much ammunition and gather so much. 
from looting all the dead bodies. Oh my god, the dead bodies that you're constantly... Like, I remember the first mission. It's the shootout um, after you rob the train with the crew, with the gang. What's it called? This one's called Coulter. Um, and then <laughs> you just... So you kill all the rival gang members in like that uh, little forest area. And then there's like 30 bodies lying around the ground. And it's the first time you ever loot people. And I remember being like, oh my god, there's so many people to loot. And I was like, am I actually going to be able to loot everybody? And yes, you are able to loot everybody. And so I loved the looting aspect of the game. It never felt like other games looting where you're just like getting stuff that you don't really need. I felt like everything that you looted, you used and desperately needed. Um, whether it be tonics, whether it be food, whether it be ammunition, whether it be new weapons... Looting was absolutely paramount to success in this game, and it made me it really motivated me to loot. Although it did get challenging because later in the game, when you would complete a mission, kill a bunch of bad guys with your crew, your crew would leave and leave you there, and then you'd have time to loot. But it got to be tough where you only had a certain number of minutes until the law started, started to show up. And I remember the first few times that started happening where I would be like, do I have time to keep looting or should I get out of here? And then I kept choosing to keep looting and then I would just get encountered by the law and get in these shootouts with the law. And so then eventually it got to the point where I was like, okay, I'll give myself two minutes to loot and then whatever I can get, I'll get and then I gotta get out of here. Because like I said earlier, the law got to be pretty tough. And then if you get trapped by the law and they keep coming, you're pretty much fucked. So uh, I like how there are always consequences and repercussions for your actions even a mission even something where you know it's part of the narrative it's something you have to do in the game you have no option you have to complete this mission you have to kill these people you have to rob this or whoever whatever it is and you still have to face the repercussions of that it's not like you're making the choice of just shooting someone at a tent and then the law showing up i really like that everything that you did had consequences which i think was also a in, instrumental part of the narrative moving forward, making you feel like you were actually committing crimes, making you feel like you were actually, you know, a bad person in a, in a dark, grim world, and doing bad things. Uh, and going back to the bow and hunting, uh, I loved hunting. I loved skinning. Uh, I, I think my favorite thing I killed was an alligator. I was like, I was like, I wonder if I could kill this alligator, and I just sniped it, and I was like, yep, he's dead. I'm gonna skin him. I killed a couple of legendary animals. I got the legendary bear. And the legendary elk. elk. Uh, they were to both really tough fights. I did them both without dying, but I nearly I nearly died both times. Like they were tough fights. I think the bear one was exceptionally challenging because it's pretty early on in the game. I think you did it like right after you got to camp, pretty pretty quickly after that with like Hosiah or something. That fight was excellent, and. I'm always like, fuck it, kind of mentality. So I, I remember he gave you the op. You always get the option of like, you know, you uh, we could head back to camp or you could stay here and keep tracking it. And I was like, I'll keep tracking it. I ain't no bitch. And then uh, tracking the bear, tracking animals was fun. I love the the vision change, how you can see uh, tracks. Um, you can see the scents of herbs and different animals. Um. And speaking of herbs, I you get to this point where you're just riding around an area and then you're like scoping out for herbs. Like, what kind of herbs can I get? Like, it's pretty funny. Like, I hope there's some rosemary around here. Do you think there's just, there's some oregano here? It's pretty funny how like you're looking forward to getting some oregano. I love it. Um, obviously, you're gonna kill a deer more than anything. I killed a buffalo, which was fun because I, I did a I did a mission, and then riding through the the big flatlands plains. Um, I looked with my and I sniped my sniper scope, and I saw like a huge group of bison, and I was like, "What the fuck? I didn't know there was going to be a herd of bison." And so I was riding with the crew um, for that mission, but I made I made note of it on the map, and then I went back to that area, and then I, I sniped out a bison and skinned it. I was like, "Nice, this was awesome." It was just I felt kind of bad, but also it was pretty sick. <laughs> and then um, yeah, the elk was a tough fight as well. That was that was a difficult one. Barely got through that one. I, I also, it was, it's a lot to take in, a lot of information when you start playing this game, uh, especially in terms of the things you can consume, whether they be tonics, alcohols, coffee, um, or things you eat, 
uh, all sorts of foods, meats, uh, dry storage goods, uh, dry goods, um, and ginseng. Like there's so many stimulants. There's all the medicines, the bitters. And I would say it seemed like a lot at first, but several hours into the game, you're like getting a grasp of things. And so I would say I felt overwhelmed early in the game. And I was like, how am I going to keep track of all this? How am I going to remember what all these substances and, and great and things do? How am I going to, do I have to like make a list and a mental note of everything? But I would say when you ease into the game, you do more, you use the items, ingredients, you keep purchasing them, you keep eating them, you keep brewing new tonics. It ended up being pretty easy to grasp. Um, and so for anyone who hasn't played this game, it can be a lot at first, but the when you give it a chance and you put the time in, it gets pretty easy. And then you start realizing what things you... I think based on your own gameplay too, I think everybody goes for different things. Like maybe they'll prioritize certain tonics or elixirs for others. Same thing with foods. Um, I ended up love... I loved cooking like meat over the campfire with like oregano uh, and mint. I like how you can make like venison mint. <laughs> um, the tonics are great. The snake oil is great for obviously for dead eye. Um, you all, but and I learned you gotta you gotta keep some horse medicine, some stimulants, and some some horse shit on you because if your horse gets hurt in the middle of nowhere, you're basically fucked. And you gotta walk back to camp. Um, Miracle cure was great. Um, plenty of health cures uh ginseng I, I would be like i would try to eat ginseng whenever i could um obviously bitters it's um it's pretty amazing how often you have to eat or drink in this game in order to maintain health or to maintain your other cores restore them um so i really loved uh the effects of you know oh i get i'm gonna drink some rum or i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna have some some coffee some coffee uh, so I really love that aspect. It really, it, like I said earlier, added to the immersive nature of the gaming experience. Um, I liked how meat can go bad if you don't cook it in the, uh, in time. Uh, I like how you can sell everything if you want. And it got to the point where like I had so much meat on me, I was like good forever. Like I never had to, I never had to hunt again because I had just so much on me. I had so much venison. I had so much uh, chicken. I had so much um, uh, big game meat. Like. Uh, plenty of it, and I, I was just like, it got to the point where I was like, I don't got to worry about nothing anymore, nothing anymore, uh, but I still would hunt just for fun, you know, you, you'll be riding your horse, and then like, some deer would be running by up ahead, and you'd just be like, fuck it, pull out your arrow and shoot them, so it was always fun, but I I, uh, I loved, I loved cooking, um, the pork was great, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying like I ate it, like actually ate it, oh man, the games are crazy, um, but cooking pork was funny, especially when you have to, uh, when you're catching those hog tying those pigs early on, uh, at that rancher's place and then you, uh, you stab them to death. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. And then you're just basically making bacon essentially. But then like always keeping like a store of food, like beans, apples, uh, corn, carrots for your horses, uh, breads, uh, biscuits, uh, candies, and I like how in camp it took uh, it took me a little time to figure out how the camp worked, how you had all the different areas of camp, and you can upgrade them. You can upgrade the medicines. You can upgrade the food stores. You can upgrade uh, weapons and ammunitions. You can upgrade your sleeping quarters, and then eventually everybody's. Uh, it took me a little time to figure that out, and then once I got going, and then you start earning so much money, it's like you're hooking everything up and then it made the game a lot easier where uh, you didn't have to go to grocery stores anymore. You didn't have to go to shops anymore. You just go to your camp. All right, let me grab some cans of whatever. Let me get some medicines, some bitters. Let me grab this, that, grab these, get some ammunition. Then you're set good to go. So I think having the camp was uh, an essential part of the gameplay. I would have found it annoying if I had to keep going back to one of the towns to keep uh, my supplies up. Uh, I've, especially if you had to ride to them. Uh, so I think that going to camp, especially because like you could finish, you would finish missions and quests there. You would already be there. And so to just already get out of bed, grab some shit, whatever you're low on, reload, restock, eat some stew if you were hungry. I loved the camps and I found them to be very helpful 
and I think streamlined the gameplay from start to finish for sure. I also loved like the little things like, I mean, it's not going to do much for you, but you can light up a cigarette or you can have a sip of rum or a beer at camp. Like I would just do that sometimes. Like I would, especially like after gunfights, I would feel like very like arrogant and full of myself. So I would like light up a cigarette or a cigar just cause. And I was just like, I'm a fucking badass. I'm a G. And just having that aspect of the game where it does benefit, I think um, cigarettes benefited, I think your, your dead eye. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, just a little bit, but still, it was just fun to do. You know, it's it's fun to do that. It's fun to just, like, light a cigarette or to just smoke a cigar. Like, why not? Why the hell not? I will say also that another thing that was a little um, hard to follow at first and took me a little bit to get up to speed with was were the cores. Um, it took me a little bit to understand how the cores worked, how um, you uh, restored them, how you strengthened them. Uh, and also how you can uh, make them better. And so I got to say maybe the first three or four times I played the game, I was like, I kept being like, what the fuck are these? Um, and I'm a stubborn person where I'm not going to look up like tutorials, gameplay stuff. Um, I'm not going to look up uh, cheats or shortcuts, anything like that. So um, that's honestly probably my fault. But I will say um, it was a little bit, for me, difficult to figure out the cores. But then, obviously, like I said earlier, once you get a grasp of the cores, you kind of feel like a dummy for not realizing it early enough because it is pretty straightforward. But also, I think that be me being a new-time gamer again, maybe I'm just not used to things. And I have to get like back into the mindset of a gamer again. Um, but I will say, once I figured out the cores, it was pretty easy, pretty straightforward. Um, during battles, if I was depleted somewhere or about to die I knew exactly what I needed to eat I knew exactly what tonic I needed to take um, you could also plan accordingly I'm gonna drink this tonic or have some bitters right before I do this thing oh another thing about the game about the uh, gunfighting dead eye was fantastic um, so he so helpful um, and I think it worked best I would say with a revolver uh, Especially because you could have, what, six bullets fired. I found Deadeye to just be like an instrumental part of gunfighting. And at first, I didn't prioritize my Deadeye. Um, and then eventually, I was like, oh, I gotta drink this. I gotta get my Deadeye up so I can do some shit. So the Deadeye became hugely beneficial, especially if you're outnumbered. I remember there was a, a point where I was riding. I was literally, literally just riding on a trail, like out in the open, middle of the day. And then... A bunch of robbers just showed up, came out of hiding from a couple of boulders, and they held me up. And then I threw Deadeye on, took them all out, and I was like, oh, shit! It was like, I think that was my first successful use of Deadeye in a good way, like not just killing one person. And then by the end of the game, you're just like using it like easy, no problem, taking people out like it's nothing. I really love Deadeye because it, it harkened back to the Outlaw Wild West showdown. And someone who... The whole point of it, I would say, is not just for making gameplay easy, but, like, it could show how, like in movies or in stories, uh, a gunslinger or, like, a famous outlaw, they are the fastest hand in the West. You know, nobody can outshoot them. Everybody who tries to face them goes down because they're just so fast and, and nobody can out outfire them. This is a way the gamers, the developers, figured out this brilliant way with Deadeye of showing showcasing that and giving you that ability where you're the fastest hands in the West, and Deadeye makes that possible. So I love that aspect, and it turns you into that dangerous outlaw that nobody can outshoot and that everybody's afraid to face off against. So I really love Deadeye, and it made me feel like a, a Western gunslinger more than most aspects of the game. So it was definitely a highlight of the game. There were so many great missions, um, side quests. I ended up... Maybe for like my second half of playing, I was sticking strictly to the story campaign. Uh, and I've, although the side quests are still pretty fun and you could get some good rewards out of them, I ended up just, when I realized how many chapters and how many, how many missions there were in the story, I was like, I'm going to stick to the story stuff uh, because I, I, I can't play 100 hours of, of a video game. I, I, can't, I can't do that. I have too much going on. So then I, I did lots of side quests early on. 
But then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do the story campaign and finish the story. And I mean, you could still have so much fun uh, just doing that. But I, I had some favorite missions. I would say in Chapter 5, Hell Hath No Fury. Um, it's definitely one of the best missions in Red Dead 2 where you help out the locals. Uh, and it proves to be benef beneficial when they offer you to transport to get home. Um, discussing how to get back, the group attacks you. You must defend against a bombardment on the island. Uh, using a cannon to combat naval ship in the water was amazing. And it was an effective way to conclude the events on the island. I found that to be so much fun using the cannon. Uh, being up against so many er enemies in different uh, areas. Uh, they would be coming in boats. They'd be coming on foot. They'd be hiding, uh, coming up the steps. And then on the big boat as well. Uh, so that mission was so action-packed, really terrific. And I loved that entire island chapter, but that was a, that was definitely the highlight of the entire of the entire chapter. Doing that Hell Hath No Fury mission, it was so much fun. I would say it was, it was it's my favorite because of how much action there was, and that's a point in the game where you're getting very good and very competitive. You've figured out your fighting style. You've figured out the weapons that you like to prioritize. And so, at that point, gunfighting is quite seamless and, in a way, easy. Although, not, it's still challenging because of the sheer number of people you're going after. Going after. Um, but because you have such a good grasp of the gameplay at that point in Chapter 5, I found myself to be very confident and really, really enjoying the fighting and combat and gunfighting. Plus, that mission, there are so many different locales that you're moving across and having interactions and fights with. It was just a terrific environment and part of the map to work with. So Hell Hath No Fury was my favorite uh, mission for sure. Then uh, Blood Feuds in Ancient and Modern in Chapter 3, the, the assault on Bra um, Braithwaite Manor. This was, um, I, I was reading online, everybody was saying it was their favorite mission, it was the best part of the game, and it definitely lived up to the hype. It was a lot of fun. I love the cinematic nature. Uh, I love just like you in the gang. Just walking up to the manor, the camera behind you. It was just like, oh my god, this is like a fucking western movie. It was so badass. Uh, however, it's not my favorite because I found it to be a little too easy. Uh, I, I don't have the easy setting on. I had I have it set to uh, normal, but I had I actually had no problem at all getting through any of these enemies. I took them out pretty quickly. But I will say. I understand why everybody loves it, and it is my second favorite because of the cinematic quality of the mission, uh, of burning down the house, of killing the the mom. It was just, like, so badass, and it was, like, out of the entire storyline, this is the one that felt like the most, like, it was out, out of a Western movie, and so I gotta put it up there just because it was so fucking cool, but I will say it was a, a tad too easy. Next up, my fa my third favorite was in Chapter 3, The Fine Joys of Tobacco, where you'd burn the uh, tobacco farm. So after a few missions that were getting a little tedious in Chapter 3, I would say Chapter 3 was my least favorite chapter overall, um, except for those those two missions. I found Chapter 3 to be a little slow, but it had two of these highlights in it. And so you, you end up going galloping through the fields while it's engulfed in flames. It was so cool. The lighting of the fires on the tobacco fields was just phenomenal. And then like that burning shed. I really loved sneaking around and sending out uh, ga fluid, gasoline fluid all over the place and then lighting it up. So much fun. It was actually quite challenging. And I end up and then you end up riding on horseback through the flames, uh, shooting out bad guys. Super, super fun. But visually so striking. Really set itself apart from any other mission in the game because of the fires, because it was nighttime. And I found myself just absolutely enthralled with the visual nature of the mission and combined it with some good challenge as well. Next up, I have uh, Welcome to the New World, Chapter 5. So waking up on what was later revealed to be an island on the Atlantic Ocean. This was a monumental part of the storyline. Arthur becomes stranded in Guarma and must locate his friends. He then rendezvous with other members of the Vanderlyn gang and they are ambushed by a militaristic group end up holding you hostage, uh, putting you in change. Then you f escape, and this kicks off like this whole series of missions. I loved everything in Guarma. It was one of my favorite parts of the game. I like how uh, isolated it was. I like how different the landscapes were. And I like the weapons you had to use. I, I found that pistol to be really cool. 
Very devastating, um, but it was so slow on reload. I ended up go, always going back to the other pistol. Um, I can't remember what that... The, the Volcanic Pistol, I think is what it was called. So powerful, but it was just like so slow for reload. So um, I ended up always going with the other weapons. But I really loved it. I liked how Arthur is like in a daze at first and walking around after the shipwreck. And you're just like... You can barely even focus the camera. Super fun. Super interesting. Um, and... Actually, I think it was some of the most challenging parts of the game. It's because you don't have a utility belt, a satchel full of tonics, of foods, um, everything you need. You don't have all of the firearms that you're used to. And so I think that the restriction of elements for you to use really ups the ante. And even though you've gotten really good at the game, they're taking everything away from you and stripping you down to your bare bones and telling you to do combat like that. And so I found that very challenging and exciting. And I, I found it to be a really refreshing part of the game. I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. We're washed up on an island. What the fuck? That's so awesome. So I really enjoyed uh, that entire air, uh, sequence in Guarma. Next up, I have a fine night of debauchery in Chapter 4. This is Poker Night. I love this one. So there are a bunch of games you can play across Red Dead 2. Um, I, I found uh, the first game of poker you play... I kind of, I had a feeling I'm like, I bet they let you in the first hand uh, just to get you, ease you into the poker play. And so I bet everything, every hand, I bet as much as I could. And then I, the first hand of poker I played, I won like 120 bucks. I was like, fuck yeah. I knew that they would make you, they would let you in the first hand. Um, but then obviously it got harder after that. Um, but I like this one because, so you have to go on the, you have to go on the boat where the, the poker games are being played, but you have to get snazzed up. You have to get the new tux. You have to get a haircut. And then you're ushered on board, and you uh, play that hand, and Hosiah is, like, in the background, like, nodding, like, yeah, bet, bet, bet. This is the one. And then you, like, go up. You go up the upper deck, and you rob that safe, and then that starts a big shootout. Excellent gunfighting sequence. The challenging one, too. And I just found it really fun. Uh, it mixed it up. You know, going to a new environment, playing high-stakes poker, Wearing the tux, getting all all spruced up. Uh, so one of the strengths of the game was uh, keeping itself from getting repetitive and keeping things fresh. You know, Guarma is an example of that. The burning tobacco field is an example of that. And this finite debauchery is an example of that, of keeping things interesting and not feeling like you're doing the same thing over and over again. So I just, I just loved the story aspect of it too. I thought it was really fun uh, and really engaging. Next up, I have My Last Boy in Chapter 6. This is where Arthur takes part in an attack on Cornwall, Cornwall and Kerosene and Tar. And part of the mission, Dutch leaves Arthur for dead, like I called, and denies it afterward. Um, Dutch ultimately is only looking for out for himself. And he saw that Arthur was ill and was a liability. I fucking totally called it. When it happened, I was like, I was like, I fucking knew Dutch would betray you. I knew he would, I knew he would always take his side. I, he would... Always choose himself over anyone else. It was a very fun mission, too. Um, you're basically like... The, the war sequence against the army is really fun. Uh, pretty intense. Uh, so I think the combat and action in that is a lot of fun. But also, getting the true colors of Dutch revealed was the main part of the structure of this mission. And I was so satisfied that I predicted it, that Dutch would betray you. I was like, motherfucker, I knew it. Next up... Also in chapter stick at uh, chapter six, Icarus and Friends. This is the hot air balloon one. I loved it. Uh, obviously, like I said earlier, I didn't love sniping. And you pretty much snipe most most of the time in this mission when you're up in the hot air balloon. Um, but I still found it really fun floating above the the landscape, the map. You really got to see how big the map was. But again, the cloud work, the atmospherics, so much fun. Um, I just think visually it was one of the most memorable parts of the game. And like I said, so much different from anything else before. You're in a fucking hot air balloon. Um, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, very enjoyable mission. And then another one in Chapter 6, Red Dead Redemption. Obviously the final moments of Arthur Morgan. His death, very tragic. The face-off against Milton and the Pinkerton agents. Um, I think that it was a really fitting conclusion for Arthur. I had a feeling he was going to die at the end. Because um, I feel like if he was going to survive... Maybe the stakes didn't feel real. So him dying, I would say, would was instrumental to his storyline. Also, if you're an outlaw, gunslinger, in the Wild West, your survival rate is very, very low. 
and your average age of death is very young. So I think that having a gunslinger go through all this and survive would have been a little too unlikely. So I think that I, I wanted him to die. I didn't want him to make it out alive. I didn't want like a hero's farewell, riding into the sunset, fun music playing. I wanted, I wanted there to be real stakes, real conflict, real drama, and real repercussions for your actions as Arthur Morgan. So his death was actually very moving, uh, emotional, so well done, uh, well choreographed, um, and the animation was fantastic. The sunset, amazing, amazing ending. And then my ne- my last favorite mission was the first one, Coulter. So like I said earlier, opening up, snowy landscape, you're with the gang, you're trying to find food and shelter, um, you're gathering strength before you head back into town, leads into that robbery and the big gunfight. Uh, I really loved it. Uh, it was a terrific way to start out the game and get you up to speed with the mechanics, get you up to speed with uh, how to fight, um, drinking bitters or searching through a house or looting dead bodies. I really enjoyed it, and I, l- I enjoyed every moment in snow. As someone who grew up in a, a snowy, wintry place like New England, I was like, oh, man, I just kind of feel like feel at home in these areas. And I found that the big shootout to be pretty challenging because they really overloaded you with a lot of enemies. You ended up killing like 30 people. And so I like how they didn't they, they ease you into it, got you up to speed, but then you're like, all right, here's 30 bad guys. Take them all out. And that you really have to basically learn to run before you can walk, uh, which I found to be really exciting. And that big shootout, that's what got me really invested in the game. I was like, I love the visuals. Uh, I love horseback riding. I love the characters so far. But then when you have a big action sequence, you're like, holy shit. It's challenging. It's exciting. It's engaging. It's really fun. So that bit, that shootout at the end of Coulter really was the uh, what sold it for me on the game. And then after that, I was hooked. And I was like, okay, it looks like I'm spending the next 30 hours uh, of my free time playing Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, so I love this game. And uh, that's going to be uh, come to no surprise to anyone. It's one of the most loved games ever. But I do, I do really think it deserves all the hype, all the praise, all the accolades, all of its success. Rockstar, I've been playing their games since I was a little kid, all the way back to the early Grand Theft Auto games. So I'm familiar with, with the gaming studio. Been, I would say Grand Theft Auto 4 was the last one I played. I didn't play Red Dead 1, but I heard great things about it. And after playing this, I would say it's the best Rockstar game I've played. It's one of the greatest video games I've ever played. Although I'm new to gaming recently, I played a lot um, up until the age of like 22, 23. So I played plenty of games. So... Uh, I think from what I've played, this is definitely top five. Maybe it could be the best game I ever played outside of like uh, an early Zelda game or a couple of the early Pokemon games. Um, <laughs> just because like Pokemon on Game Boy was the shit. Uh, but if I, I was going to say in terms of uh, artistry and pure just beauty uh, visuals, it's the best looking game I've played. And Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I just played also stunning incredible very impressive um but i would say they kind of dropped the ball on valhalla and they had so much potential and they had it they had the team they had the design they just kind of milked they with valhalla if they had the naval combat that would have helped a lot um but i would say both games are incredibly beautiful and just mind-boggling the visuals but i would say valhalla falls victim to what red dead excels at and that's um becoming redundant and not becoming redundant i mean where valhalla became so redundant and repetitive and i felt like i was grinding whereas red dead was exciting fresh uh extraordinary uh never felt like you were doing the same thing twice um and always always engaging and ultimately Suddenly, Valhalla, the story was honestly pretty confusing. And I w- it got to the point where I was like, I don't even know who they're talking about. I don't even know who this guy is. I'm just skipping because I can't even figure out the storyline. So convoluted. Whereas Red Dead 2, terrific narrative, perfectly structured, very balanced. Uh, you were with it every step of the way. And I was really, really into the, the story and the plot. 
and I was excited every time I played to see what would happen next. So ultimately, I adored this game. I gave it a 10 out of 10. The only, honestly, the only thing I have to say as a con was just a couple of Italian pronunciations, but that's honestly it. Because otherwise, the game is a standout success. Fucking insane. I couldn't believe it. Everybody hyped it up to me, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll play it, I'll play it, I'll play it. And then two hours into the game, I was like, oh, I get it. I get it now. And now after finishing the story, I gotta say, it was mind-blowing. If anyone hasn't played it, play it ASAP. It'll absolutely floor you like it floored me. And to be honest, I kind of miss I miss Nera. I miss my horse. So maybe I'll go back uh, sometime soon and, and play a little bit more and start riding my horse again. Because I did not do the epilogue. Uh, I finished once Arthur died. I just stopped playing. So maybe I'll do the epilogue. Um, but honestly, love the game. I'm glad everybody recommended it to me. 10 out of 10. Perfect game. Lives up to the hype. Play it ASAP. Thanks for listening to my review of Red Dead Redemption 2. I hope you enjoyed that. We have a lot of great episodes coming out your way very soon. Some great movie episodes. And then James is actually going to review The Last of Us Part 1 next week. So keep an eye out for that video game review as well. And right now, I am playing God of War Ragnarok. I've only played for two hours, but I love it. It's fucking insane. Super fun. Probably, it might be the best combat I've ever I've ever played um, but obviously I have a long ways to go with that game. So I'll probably do a review of that game in about a month or so. So stay tuned for that. See you next time, everyone.